The show that takes you home. The Home Stretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 AM, 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Home Stretch, ESPN Kansas City, live in studio on a gorgeous hump day. It's beautiful outside. I wish I was doing this show outside. Like, can we move these microphones? outside it's like a field trip that's what i want kyle's behind the glass kyle how are you home stretch in the outdoors boom that's a show that's a show that's right a there. show a show and a half it's gonna be a show today we got a little jamar chase interview i had a chance to sit down with jamar chase we'll play that in the second segment today it was a lot of fun talking to him uh, we're going to play some audio coming out of Chiefs training camp today. I will actually be going to training camp tomorrow. No show on Friday. So, Kyle, for you, remember, no show Friday. If you if you are here, you'll be looking at a blank, dark room. I'm filling in for Petro, so I'll be filling in for him on Friday, doing that show on the program on Sports Radio 810. Busy, busy week. I got my blood drawn today. As a man who loves red meat and salt, unsurprisingly, I have high cholesterol. Sure, it's a thing. Yeah, I'm 29 and in shape. I am. By the way, I felt pretty good. I always said I'm 5'10". They took my height today. No shoes. 5'10 and a half, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you're not rounding up. Oh, no, no. That's not rounding up. That is 70 and a half inches, baby. Well, I'm going to ask what Briscoe asked. Is it the hair? They 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 flatten that thing. They flatten it. They, okay. They, they were not having it. They're like, we are taking some real. This is NBA measurements. Take your <laughs> take your kicks off. No hair. I'm I'm saying it. I'm 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 a giant. Some say. But as a five ten and a half man who weighs one seventy, it is a little surprising that I have a uh, high cholesterol. I would say it runs in the family, but it sounds like no one runs in my family. <laughs> I'm kidding. They're actually my parents are very much in very good shape. Uh, my dad ran like triathlons. Um, my mom's in incredible shape too. Um, I just love red meat and salt. Apparently, so got that going for me. Yeah. But I got my blood drawn. Back to the story. I have this weird thing. I'm not necessarily scared of needles. But my body has a physical reaction to needles. It's one where if I get a shot, I get blood drawn, I automatically almost pass out. I'm not scared of the needles. I know what's going on. I'm fine. I think I'm good to go. Mentally, you're not nervous? No no anxiousness? Uh, maybe a little bit, but, but it's not enough. And they say it's, there's some random illness I'm I'm one of there's dozens of us that have a physical reaction to needles. It sucks, man. I'm sitting there for ten minutes, got an ice pack on my dome. I'm like, I got places to be. Yeah. I'm just sitting there. I'm so dizzy. I can't even play immaculate grid. Oh, I can't even do anything. I'm just oh. sitting there like this. Sucks. Can't drive. Now, maybe it's because I didn't eat breakfast or have any water before this. Yeah. Couldn't have been the issue. That may be. No, 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 no. Yeah. That couldn't be the issue. 
So I got home and immediately pounded half a pack of, of pasta. It was great. <laughs> Just half a... I know it says it feeds eight. You know, per per pack, I, I fed a family of four. That was me. I, I was the family of four. So that's what I did today. We've all been there. That's what I did. I felt so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry, guy. I This happens to me. Do you have any apple juice? Normally I ask for apple juice before I get blood drawn. Okay. And I know people are making fun of me like, oh, you, you a kid? I'm like, no, I'm a businessman. I'm getting free apple juice. Who's the winner here? <laughs> they didn't have any that's apple how to juice. Negotiate. Oh, yeah. that's I know. I, I, I'm a businessman trying to negotiate. No apple juice. No like, apple juice. Yeah. Because everyone knows apple juice bounces you back. So that was my day. How's your day been, Kyle? You have any, not, any not as stressful as yours? Any apparently. extravagant <laughs> romps through Kansas City? Anything fun? No. <laughs> I've been preparing for the show today. Oh yeah, you've been preparing hard. <laughs> yeah, you sure sent me a show sheet. Good job, Kyle. I forgot your email. So my, oh, my you bad. forgot my email. My Come on, Kyle. I don't believe you. All right, let's get into it. I want to talk about some audio that we have coming out of Chiefs training camp today. I want to start with Dave Tobe, because um, Tobe has come out earlier on this year, and he was talking about how, hey, we know there's new kickoff rules. We don't care. You can't win if you don't play. He's a gambler through and through is basically his mindset. Now, as the offseason's progressed as the preseason's progressed. I don't expect to see us in preseason because in preseason they want to see guys get an opportunity. But he's come down off that ledge just a little. Here is Tobe on the new kickoff rule. There's going to be more fair catches on those high kicks for sure. Uh, I think you have to, you know, you have to play the analytic game. And if you want to help your team get them out to the 25 and automatically, you know, with the, you still have to make the fair catch and you have to block everybody up. I mean, they're going to be coming down the field and, and coming hard. If we bobble it, I mean, it's you know, you, you're taking a chance there. So, but uh, yeah, I think there'll be more fair catches for sure. Um, I think there'll be more squib kicks though too. At the same time, uh, you've seen uh, Saints working on that against us, and you know we didn't handle it great. You know, uh, 82 back there kind of uh, you know didn't didn't pick it up cleanly. So uh, you'll see t- you'll see more squibs. You'll see uh, more fair catches. I think for sure, no question. I love the fact that he brought up analytics for once. Analytics, in my opinion, aren't quite as important in football as it is in baseball because over the course of a 162-game season, that's a large enough sample size for the analytics to really play out and, and, and run its course. NFL is the get-it-right business, right? Like The Chargers tried to be very analytical, and what do they do? If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You, you, you can't necessarily always fault the process. Because the numbers might say to do it, but sometimes there are things that happen in a given game that the analytics cannot quantify. But I do like the fact, this is something you can look at. When you have the offense that the Kansas City Chiefs possess, that extra five yards isn't making or breaking this team. What makes or break this team is if they don't have the ball at all. So I like the fact that the NFL is changing the rule just because it might force Kansas City to fair catch the rock, to let it go, to not try and bring it out and have a chance of fumbling it or having a idiotic penalty. Fair catch it. And it sounds like Dave Tobe understands, hey, maybe we should just take the ball. 
at the 25. Yeah. I do find the squib kick uh, comment pretty interesting because, yeah, we did see the Saints do that. And he mentioned how I think it was 82 is a Amir Smith-Marsh set, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, teams are going to do that more because you can't fair catch it in time. You can't get that hand up. I'm intrigued to see how many teams switch from the high kickoff method to the squib kick method. I don't know how many teams will. Sounds like the Saints are. Um, Dave Tobe actually talked more about the high kickoffs. Here is Tobe now. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're working on, uh, you know, Bucker's high kick down to the goal line. We know guys, you know, want to return. I'm, I'm trying to evaluate our kickoff team right now, and we know that teams aren't going to fair catch it now. And the best thing to do is hit, take a high kick down to the goal line so you can you know, create hang time to let your guys get down the field to be able to cover. So that's why we did it. Uh, we'll do that during the season as well. Um, rather than just, you know, Bucker can bang a touchback pretty much any time he wants. But now you want to try to make them make a play at least if they want to get the ball at 25. Make them kick it high. Or we'll kick it high and make them make a fair catch. And, uh, you know, they're still going to go and get it at the 25, just like you would do if you were kicking a touchback. So it's something that, you know, we're looking at uh, for sure. Is there a case that maybe that's potentially more dangerous? Yeah, there is. I mean, that's 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 the decision that was made. I mean, is they put the rule in and. Uh, you know, we told them what, what teams are going to do. There's, there's going to be more squibs. If you want to force a team to return the ball, you have to squib it. You know, because you, you, if you can kick a high one, they're gonna, they can fair catch it and get it out to the 25. So, again, you might see teams start to squib kick it more, get around the fair catch rule. But I think he brings up a good point. Some dudes just want to take it out. The Chiefs shouldn't, but... If you are a offensively challenged team, I think it behooves you to try. If you're the Colts, you need to do everything possible to try and get extra yards. Now, I know those extra yards against you when you get stopped on the 18 is going to hurt. But were you really going to score from the 25 either way? I mean, seriously, like some of these teams, the Panthers, I know they got some rookie quarterbacks out there. The Buccaneers, especially right. with with Baker and, and, and Kyle Trask. I mean, these bad teams, you do need to work on these high kickoffs for that method. But I'm also intrigued to see how much the Chiefs try the squib kick. He didn't really dive much in there as far as what he would do. But he did say you're going to see a lot more squib kicks around the NFL for the same reason as you can't fair catch a squib the same way you can one of those high kickoffs. It is intriguing to see how the NFL has gone from blasting kicks out of the end zone originally. That was the whole thing, was you wanted a kicker whose leg was strong enough to get consistent touchbacks. That's what you wanted. And the NFL is probably happy because, to an extent, maybe then the NFL, the players are pretty happy because of like, less injuries. Well, then let's get more involved. How, how can we get the analytics involved? Well, if you start in the 22 compared to the 25, it's a huge difference. Now, what do the, the, the numbers show us? Well, at times when you take it out, the most likely scenario is you're going to start before the 25. So then teams started doing this high kickoff. Well, then you had a lot more returns. But the NFL and the Players Association said, hey, this is too dangerous. How do we, how do we fix this? So then they said, all right, you can fair catch. If you're catching, you start the 25, so the high kickoff shouldn't be as involved. But then there's always going to be a way around it. The squib kicks are a way around it. Dave Tobe mentioned there, 
It might even be more dangerous. It's the same thing. But you're always going to see teams trying to bend the rules. They will find something and try to exploit it. Unless you take kickoffs completely out of the equation, completely out of the game, teams will find a way to make it work. They're going to try. I'm not saying trying to make it dangerous. But they're going to try every single little opportunity they can. Yeah, especially against the Chiefs. You you give Patrick Mahomes only 75 yards each time, that's an advantage for, for yes. Patrick Mahomes and his offense. Yes. Andy Reid saying thank you. So we'll see what happens. I am pretty intrigued to see how the kickoff rule transpires and goes around as the season goes on. Preseason a little tough to tell because preseason teams are really trying to see what they have in a kick return. They're going to take it out more often than not. Uh, some more audio out of training camp. I want to hear the Andy Heck. I want to hear Andy Heck talking about uh, Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor. Really pleased to have both Donovan and Jawan here. Uh, they're talented tackles. They're experienced. And uh, in terms of how they've uh, fit in and, and adapted, I think very well. I mean, they're integrated right into our room. We've got a great room. Uh, the guys communicate well. Uh, they like each other. They like being around each other. Um, they've, uh, in their own way, asserted themselves as leaders. Um, Donovan is a vocal guy, uh, a physical guy, and we can, you know, draw a lot from his experience there. He's been a very rugged player over his career. Juwan, very talented, uh, does a nice job in pass protection. And so I'm super pleased with those guys. I was impressed with both. Again, it was just very small sample size. But I was impressed with them against the Saints, especially Donovan Smith. He had a hell of a pancake. Yeah, he knocked somebody over. He knocked someone over, and he finished. He finished that play. Um, the offensive line as a whole, I was actually very pleased with. I thought I was uh, I was excited about Wanya Morris. I was excited about Darian Kennard at guard. I thought that was really impressive. I think this offensive line as a whole, it has, it, it, we've said it year after year now. It just keeps getting deeper and deeper and deeper. Um, I don't know if the tackles are better this year than they were um, when it was Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher. I don't know if it's better uh, overall than Orlando Brown Jr., but you can't argue that's going to be an upgrade at right tackle. Juwan Taylor over Andrew Wiley. Who, Andrew Wiley's fine. I'm not taking a shot at Wiley, but... He, he's a fine right tackle. Jawan Taylor is more athletic, has way more upside. Donovan Smith, we're still trying to see if he's going to capture what he was a couple of years ago before last year's disaster of a season where it was not just highly penalized. He was banged up a lot, but the Buccaneers offensive line as a whole was banged up. It was rotating parts. It was not an ideal situation to be in. But the early, 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 early returns. Cannot focus enough on the early part. Returns. Look like Donovan Smith is recapturing some of what made him so good for so long in Tampa Bay. Uh, next one from Andy Heck. The failed sneak. Yeah, generally when those plays work, uh, and they work at a very high rate, uh, it's because your interior three are underneath their D tackles. And we didn't get that done. So that's something that we've got to get better at. Yeah, you guys ran it different. I mean, you don't. We have seen Andy doesn't want to run it with Patrick. Did you guys have Blake try to run it? People have talked about how Philly runs it and they push from behind. There's been some discussion about that in the league while. Just what are your thoughts about the, the, the kind of pushing scrum and whether that should kind of continue in the league, the way Philly runs it? Uh, 
I don't have an opinion as to whether or not it should continue. It's part of the game right now, um, and uh, Philly does an outstanding job with it. Uh, but I would stand by, you know, the thought that whether you're pushing from behind or not, your interior three got to get lower than theirs. I get that. You're making it hard on your interior three. I know that we talk all the time about how elite they are, but obviously it looks like they're elite more so in pass protection than they are in in run blocking. They're great at all in both facets. I'm not disagreeing there, but at some point, if they're that good, and we all think they're that good, the accolades show they're that good. If it's not obvious what you're doing, defense can, can still figure out a way to stop you. I don't care if they are the best three interior offensive linemen in the NFL, and quite frankly, a lot of people would probably say this is the best unit in the NFL, top three, those three guys, Tooney, Smith, and Humphrey. But if teams know what you're doing, when you have Blake Bell on the field and you motion him over, Colin Saunders was licking his lips saying, I know what is going on right now. Now, who knows? Maybe that's not what they do in the regular season. Maybe this is all just a smokescreen to say, let's get some work in because you can't do that in training camp. You're not going to run that intense of a play in training camp. I get that. But to, for him to say it's been working at a high clip for a long has it? I mean, has it? That's been the Chiefs' bugaboo for the past three years. Ever since Mahomes... His kneecap went sideways, which, again, I still think is asinine. It was a freak accident. It happens all the time in sports. I would be a massive fan of him running QB sneaks again because it would open up so much. They don't. And so now it's an obvious situation. How about you also throw with Mahomes? Why don't you do that? He's the best player in the world. I, I, I We'll see. I get what what Andy Heck is saying as far as, you know, it's on the O-line to an extent. Yeah, I get that. But when every team knows what you are doing, every single defensive team knows what you're doing, it's a lot easier. And why not try the push? If you're going to use Blake Bell at quarterback, if you're not going to use a Mahomes sneak, and if you are still going to do these QB sneaks with Blake Bell, why wouldn't you line up some big dudes behind him just to push? Yeah, take advantage of the rule book. That's what Philly does. I, I don't get it. Like, I, I, I honestly don't get that. Because if you are going to run this play no matter what, with Blake Bell instead of Mahomes, then have the guys behind pushing him like a rugby scrum. I, I don't see how that would be controversial. Other teams do it. I'm not saying it's... Um, Extremely easy. You got to work on it. You know the the Eagles have perfected it. I mean, it, it, it's incredible. And Jalen Hurst can squat. What is it? What was it, like eight hundred pounds? Something yeah, stupid. Yeah, I mean, six fifty something. Yeah, yeah. It yeah. was something absolutely insane. I get that helps, but they pick it up with ease. Get Danny Shelton pushing back there. Oh yeah, that would help. Get that Danny help. Shelton pushing Blake Bell. You're gonna pick up that first down. I don't know where they go from here. I don't know what they do, but I am still intrigued to see the fourth and ones and these third and shorts and all this stuff, how it progresses throughout the season. Again, maybe this was a smoke screen. They, they, they don't run this at all this year. That remains to be seen. Can you imagine the first time they do run a quarterback sneak with Patrick Mahomes for the first time in, what, three years? Yeah. <laughs> if they ever do it. I know it's a big if because we haven't seen it. 
Tom the first, Brady. The time, yeah, Tom Brady can do it. Tom Brady did it. He made a career out of it. Yeah. I mean, seriously, that, that that is all of his rushing yards. <laughs> that's that's true. But like, <laughs> you have the advantage, even with teams knowing what you are doing. You control when you snap the ball, the gaps. The quarterback can see it much much easier. You have the element of surprise to an extent because when it's Blake Bell, you don't trust he's throwing the ball. I, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, another audio clip. This one from Joe Cullen. Joe Cullen on Chris Jones. Well, I would say this, Chris. In my opinion, was as good, if not the best, defensive player in the league last year. And uh, I do stay in touch with Chris. I'm, I was expecting a million questions on Chris, and uh, Chris is working hard. And uh, you know, we'll welcome him with open arms when he gets back here. What do you hear from him? Well, just. Like I said, I, I talked to him about him staying in shape, and, you know, eventually this thing will get done, and he'll be back here in camp, uh, back here at practice and leading us. Not a lot. Staying in touch? Good. Not a lot. I didn't I didn't think we would get a lot from, uh, from anyone. I, I get he's saying he's staying in shape. Football shape's a little different than um, just in shape. I don't doubt that Chris Jones is staying in shape, doing a lot of workouts and all that stuff. But you got to get in football shape, too. That's a completely different animal. I've talked about it a lot, so I don't want to spend too much time on this. Both sides have leverage. Both sides don't have leverage. Um, Chris Jones' leverage is that, hey, he's going into his final large contract. He's 29 coming off of the best season in his entire career. He was the best interior defensive lineman last year, even over Aaron Donald. Though Aaron Donald was was injured, but it was still Chris Jones. Chris Jones' availability is, plays a huge factor, and he was top three in Defensive Player of the Year award voting. But the Chiefs also have leverage in the fact that, hey, you're under contract. We can also franchise tag you. If you want to play hardball, Chiefs can play hardball right back. The only difference is, too, in Chris Jones's favor, this entire defense has been built around Chris Jones. They're a top 15 defense with Chris Jones, bordering top 10. Without Chris Jones, bottom 10. And I don't even think that's a, uh, a hot take. I love this defense, but it's predicated around Chris Jones being a game wrecker up front. Let's take a quick break. Come back, we'll be joined, I guess we'll be playing the interview I did with Jamar Chase, Homestretch, ESPN, Kansas City. Sterling Holmes with Stacking the Box, joined now by two-time Pro Bowler in 2021 Rookie of the Year, Jamar Chase. Jamar, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being on here. But before we get into the NFL talk, you have this great partnership with Sleep Number. Can you talk about this just a little bit? Sleep Number's just giving us opportunities as athletes to get better sleep. Um, you know, they partnered up with the Bengals and, you know, finally gave us opportunity to show off, you know, the Sleep Number thing. And uh, me and Justin have been doing a little competition. Now we got it off the field with the Sleep Number. So it's definitely been good for us. I want to talk a little bit about the preseason with you because I think you know better than everyone the preseason struggles don't always translate to the regular season. 
You see fans on Twitter. After one drop, a dude's a bum. After one catch, make room. He's going into a ring of honor. You had your own struggles, and then your rookie year, 1,455 yards, 13 touchdowns. Can you touch a little bit on the struggles going from college to the NFL? Uh, yeah, man, just end up being showing people that I'm still normal and just having opportunities of dropping passes uh, after being off a whole year of football. Um, it happens, you know what I'm saying? It happens to the best of us. And, you know what I'm saying? I didn't let it shut me down, just kept working. Uh, shout out to Cincinnati, the guys in the locker room for making sure they kept my head high and, you know, not, not downing me on anything that I was doing going through at the time. Yeah, it seems like the Cincinnati locker room is a very strong one. Even after the uh, AFC Championship game against the Chiefs, you saw everyone rallying around. It wasn't a pointing finger situation. There was no blaming. Can you talk about the the uh, I guess just the locker room that you guys have in Cincinnati? Yeah, man, the locker room is great, man. Especially with from the vets, man, um, showing love, showing us you know the right from wrongs that we get into, and you know. I think that's the best thing we have about our vests is you know, they know how to speak up and, and speak to us the right way. So the NFL Top 100 came out. They had you ranked at 39. I know you saw this, the seventh wide receiver on the list. Do you use this as motivation? Are you going to burn all those defensive players that ranked you that low? And, and how would your NFL Top 5 look? You know, I'm not going to bash that Top 100 stuff. Uh, they say the players vote, but, you know, if, if the players voted, I, I wouldn't have voted for myself to be that that. Goddamn low. So, you know what I'm saying? That's how it is sometimes. But other than that, man, you know, you can't you can't get too much on that. Uh, what did you say, my top five? Yeah, your top five. I'm always having my QB ahead. So let's just put my QB up there. You got myself in there. <laughs> Aaron Donald. I could say Kelsey. Kelsey's one of the best tight ends in the game. He, he shows it. Who else? Who else I could go with in here? We could put, we could put a pad in there. <laughs> juice it up a little bit. Let's juice it up a little bit. <laughs> Got to give him some love after the Pat Who comments, right? I ain't giving him no love. You know what I'm <laughs> All right, I want to talk about this. The Bengals and the Chiefs, you guys have had this budding rivalry. You got three in a row. And then they got you with a chance to go to the Super Bowl. How much of this is a friendly rivalry versus a little bit of a bleep those guys? Yeah, uh, it begins to become it becomes a bigger rivalry every year, especially you know we it's always a win win or win lose depending on who wins that game. Um, you know, and it's always such a crunch time game at the end of the year when we play them. So I think that's the biggest way why, why people think it's a rivalry. Man. Yeah, you have this incredible nuance in your game. You, Lane Johnson, T Higgins, you guys. You find the gray lines. Lane Johnson, when it comes to his quick starts at right tackle, you and T. Higgins, you're very physical without getting offensive pass interference called against you. How do you find that line of what you can and cannot get away with, and how much is it predicated on the whoever's roughing that game? That whoever's roughing that game definitely plays a part, too. But, you know, you just got to be better with your craft, man, and how you want to set up the defender, how you want to use your leverage, how you want to use your strength, uh, all the small things, you know what I mean? That's just all about how you want to set them up and, you know, it's just being creative at your position. Yeah. As a dude who lives in Kansas, I went to Mizzou, so go Tigers, but a little different go Tigers. I got to ask, man, you were supposed to go to Kansas, and then you went <laughs> to LSU. We know about this. Were you really – 
going to Kansas? Was that in the cards or, or were you kind of in the back of your mind knowing you were going to LSU? Uh, at that time, I didn't know where I was going to go, man. I was just young, making making decisions. And, you know, they got the best of me and let my emotions make my decisions. And uh, not the time, I didn't really know. Yeah. As far as LSU and that team goes, there's so many guys from that championship team now in the NFL. Obviously, you and Justin Jefferson doing this with sleep number. But just in general, what is that like having that group of guys that went from that championship team, that LSU team, now in the NFL? Are you still close with a lot of them? Is it now a little bit more of a, hey, I'll talk to you after the game. I'm not going to talk to you during the game. Are you still close with those guys? What's your relationship like? I still talk to some of those guys. We still reach out and have some small conversations. Um, but, you know, when a game comes, you know, we're not so friendly. Uh, we just <laughs> talk trash the whole game. You know, I know me and PQ goes out of the whole game because we went to college, just went to the we practice every day together, and that's all we did was talk trash and practice. So, you know, me and PQ sees each other, you know, that's all we do. You rank fifth all-time with 2,501 receiving yards through your first two NFL seasons. And mind you, that came with missing some games last year. What has been the catalyst, the jumpstart for you that has translated from college to the NFL being this good this early in your career? I'm just – you know, being on the same page with my quarterback, I feel like that was that's the biggest thing right there. I know I said a lot, but that is the biggest thing right there. Um, being on the same page with my quarterback and just capitalize on on, on the reps and opportunities that we get in, in the game. Yeah, I I know Joe Burrow's had his share of injuries now going through his. You had yours last year. What is that like? How difficult is it? You, you understand what you guys bring to the table. You were one of, if not the best wide receiver in the NFL, and when you're forced to miss games based on injury. What does that do mindset-wise for you? Yeah, uh, mindset, it slows you down and takes you back a little bit. Both, uh, I want to say, just knowing, knowing how you wanted to attack the season and knowing, you know, what you want to do for certain games. Um, maybe you had certain games circled, you know, stuff like that. But, you know, um, God makes us toughest battle for his toughest soldiers, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, I so happen to be in that mix and being grimy, getting down there, and just working my butt off to get back on the field with my with my uh my guys. I know you said you had some games circled right there. What games do you have circled coming up this year? I don't even need to say all that right now. You know we don't have them too circled, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but it is what it is. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't want to give too much spill, spill too much beans on here, but got a couple circled. Yeah. Um. Before I let you go. I've been seeing a lot of this going around on Twitter. I gave you, you gave me your top five current in the NFL. What are your top five wide receivers all time? I know Justin Jefferson put his out there on Twitter. I guess now it's called X. Who's your top five wide receivers of all time? If we're going to say all time, I don't know if I'm always have like current players in there. Yeah. So um, I'll say Jerry Rice. Um, I'll put Antonio Brown in there. Uh, I'll put, I'll put Cooper Cup in there. I don't know, that fifth spot's pretty hard, bro. I'm not going to lie. They got a lot of good receivers, man, a lot of different receivers. I'll I, I, I put Keenan Allen in there. I feel like Keenan Allen's a little underrated. Um, you know what I'm saying? He don't really get all, all the hype he, he 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 needs and deserves. So, you know, I'll definitely put Keenan in there just so I really, he gets open and separates himself from us. Well, Jamar, I really appreciate it. Everyone listening, thank you guys so much. If you like this, throw us a like. And by the way, make sure you go check out Sleep Number. Sleep Number Smart Bed is proven to effortlessly improve the quality of your sleep and harness powerful insights to support overall health and wellness. Jamar, really appreciate it, man. No problem. Thank you, man. 
Welcome back to the home stretch, ESPN Kansas City. Thank you again to Jamar Chase. That was fun, man. That was a really enjoyable time talking with him. I still love the fact he put Pat Mahomes in his top five. I see you guys showing some love right after the whole Pat Who comments. He says, I ain't showing him no love. That's respect, though. I will say, he put two Chiefs in the top five. He put Mahomes and Kelsey. I'll, I'll, I'll give him some credit. Yeah. There you go. I was confident he was going to say him and Burrow. Yeah, you knew that, you knew that was going to yeah. happen. But two Chiefs? Wow. I was like, two okay. Chiefs. Impressed. I, I, it was nice talking to him. Uh, I tried getting that KU question in there. He basically just said, I was young. Didn't really know what I was doing. I get it. Yeah. I was hoping we'd get a little little something from that. but And I was hoping he'd reveal the games that he circled on the calendar. Yeah. But, okay, I assume I, I assume the one was the Chiefs, but yeah, he wasn't going to say anything. He's not trying to. He's not trying to get in trouble. Yeah, yeah. I will say though, it does seem like there's some actual. You know, I don't, I, I don't want to say it's more than a friendly rivalry is what it sounds like to me. You know what I'm saying? It's more than a friendly rivalry. Yeah, there's a little bit of. Not hate, but yeah, I don't like those guys. Yeah, There's a little bit of that in there, and I like this. And quite frankly, I I respect Jamar Chase, obviously, but I, but I, you want that? It's more fun when there's an actual element of. It means more, man. Like Mizzou and KU, what makes that so great? Those two teams. And schools despise each other. Yeah. It makes that rivalry so much more. Now, what's interesting is, like, I don't. I went to Mizzou. I don't have that same... And by the way, now that I do sports talk radio, I'm way more... I'm unbiased. I, I give KU their flowers all the time. I, I Different. Behind closed doors, a little, little different story. But I'm like, you know, come on. But I never had that same feeling towards K-State. They play each other every single year. You know, it's still the same thing, Missouri versus the state of Kansas. But I never had that same resentment. Yeah, yeah that's the perfect word, I <laughs> you know? like. Yeah. But when you add that element of anger, of bleep those guys, right, right. it makes it mean that much more. So I like that the Bengals and the Chiefs have this. Yeah, that's what makes the rivalry Great for everybody. More fun. Makes it way more enjoyable. I got a question for you, man. I'm struggling hard here. I'm doing my my immaculate grid. I'm I'm doing baseball. And you're going to help me with this, okay? Oh, God. Okay? I have one spot left. One spot left. Who is a Pittsburgh Pirates pitcher who has 20-plus wins in a season? Because when I'm thinking back through Hall of Famers for Pittsburgh, it's Ralph Kiner, it's Bill Mazeroski, it's uh, Roberto Clemente, it's Honus Wagner. Like, I can't think of Willie Stargill, uh, Stargill. I can't think of any Pittsburgh Pirate Hall of Fame pitcher. Because I, I got... I already got the White Sox 20-plus win season. That was Jack McDowell in, like, 1993. 
you remember Jack McDowell for the White Sox? That was an easy one. Houston, I got J.R. Richard. Split-fingered maniac. He wasn't really a maniac. I was like saying that because he threw a split finger, a split finger, fast, or a split finger. I like that. Pittsburgh, though, I can't think of anyone. I don't think Garrett Cole ever did it. Those teams with Garrett Cole weren't good enough. Um, Chris Archer, I don't think ever did it in those two seasons he was there. AJ Burnett. AJ Burnett. I don't know if he ever reached that level. Of- Mm. A.J. Burnett, I still think it was his best years in Miami, I guess, at that time, Florida Marlins. I, like, I feel bad. I almost want to look this up. This is the only spot I don't have anyone for. Some of the names I got already were Jake Peavy, Lance Lynn, Cameron Mabin, Lance Berkman, Jason Bay. Remember we talked about Jason oh, Bay? Yeah. It ended up coming. <laughs> it was uh, who played for the Padres and who played for the Pirates. I'm like, Jason Bay! <laughs> I knew that one. Pittsburgh Pirates 20-game winners. Yeah, I can't think of it, man. Yeah, I, I don't think I can do it. Do we, do we look at I feel bad. I, I think we have. <sighs> yeah, I don't think I can do it without cheating. Pirates 20-game winner. Let's look it up. Former two-time All-Star John Smiley. Ah. Uh. Would ne- would you have gotten John Smiley? No. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I would not have gotten John Smiley. Wouldn't even come close. Um, Doug Drabeck. He had 20 wins. See, that would have been a good one because he won the Cy Young that year. That's when we should have known. It's like Jeopardy, okay? I'm trying to, to, trying to do Jeopardy questions over here. Vern Law, Bob Friend, those both sound like made-up names. Uh, Murray Dixon, Rip Sewell. Did it back-to-back years. Rip Sewell in 1944, baby. We need more guys in the league. Ray Kramer. He was a pretty famous guy. I think he actually might be in the uh, Pirates Hall of Fame. Man, that was tough. Feel bad looking that one up. Most of the time, you look it up, you're like, "Oh, that was," you know, like you're like, "Who am I? Who am I possibly skipping over that I obviously know the answer to?" You could have given me a multiple choice question, and it would have taken me a long time to get down to uh, Ray Kramer. Pirates, not really known for their pictures, huh? Yeah, I, w- I don't think I would have dug any of those out. I, I mean, guess the year they won the World Series, was it 77? When they won the World Series? They had some pretty good pitchers then, but I, I, I that is well before my time. That was tough. You don't remember Rip Sewell? Surprisingly, don't remember Rip oh, Sewell. That's too bad. Yeah, I know, I know um, Sewell for the Lions. <laughs> <laughs> don't think that's the right answer. Do you do Immaculate Grid? I'm getting into it, yeah. It's tough. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I know a lot less than I thought I did. I say this, too, because I asked Jamar Chase this. It's way harder when you're on the spot to come up with an answer. Oh, yeah. When you have to think about it, when you're just randomly thinking of players, like, oh, Mark Grislanek, that's easy. Then all of a sudden you're like, but what? name every single team that he played for. And you're like, well, 
dang, this is hard. Yeah. That's why when I asked Jamar Chase the top five wide receivers of all time, one, he only gave me four. I assumed he put himself in that top five, though. And that's what you're saying. Which is fine. I get it because you're going to put yourself. You want to do that. Yeah. He went Jerry Rice. He went Cooper Cup, which was a shocker. He put Antonio Brown, which, mm-hmm. fine. Antonio Brown, I mean, as crazy as that dude is, maybe not top five, but he actually has legitimate He has case. all the same talent. Yeah. Um, Cooper Cup was interesting, I thought, to me. But Keenan Allen was a shocker. Uh, yeah, I did not see that one. That one came out of left field. Keenan Allen, I do, I do feel bad because it sound when I was I saw his face because this is a video as well, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, I put him on the spot here. He has not been asked this question yet. No one has asked Jamar Chase's top five, and I could see because you you know you put like Randy Moss or Terrell Owens. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I can almost hear Ocho Cinco because he was a Bengal, mm-hmm. uh, but Keenan Allen. I agree with Jamar as far as he's underrated. Yeah. I, I think Keenan Allen, yeah. quite frankly, I know we're here in Kansas City and it's, it's, it's fun to rip on the Chargers and all that stuff. And I actually want to get to a little article that was posted today on ESPN ripping on the Chargers a little more. Keenan Allen is a very underrated player. He he actually has been healthier, I think, than most people feel like he's been last year's his first year. That he played less than 14 games in the, since 2017. 2017, 16, 16, 16, 14, 16, 10 was, was last year. He always seems to get injured, but dude plays through it. He had one, two, three, four, five, a thousand yard rece- uh, receiving uh, seasons in his career, was eight yards away from a sixth. Again, he ain't my top five. <laughs> but I will say, I think Keenan Allen has been a fairly underrated player for a lot of his career. He's, yeah. he's consistently, what, a top ten receiver year over year? 31 years old now. I mean, he had a five-year stretch or so where he was a top ten wide receiver. I, I Wouldn't you say? I mean, he was never the the peak of, of a Devontae Adams or a Tyree Kill or the year that Cooper Cup had, but he was consistently very, very good for a Good stretch of time. I don't know what's a better or worse one. Was it Justin Jefferson that put Michael Crabtree? That yes, that is. Let's look at Michael Crabtree's career versus uh, Keenan Allen's. Michael Crabtree went over a thousand yards twice in his career. I I think that's the uh, <laughs> that takes the cake. Your face just dropped right there. Yeah, once with Oakland, too. I completely forgot he played for the Raiders. Yeah, Arizona, Baltimore, Oakland for three years, San Fran. You don't remember, you don't remember him with Oakland? For some reason, not really. He played 15—no, he played two games with Arizona. Was that like a little comeback year? Did he get injured? He had 22 yards his final season in the NFL in 2019. Again, good career. It ain't top five, though, baby. That ain't top five. Again, it is hard when you're put on the spot. I got to throw that caveat in there. It wasn't like he had time to come up with his top five list. He was put on the spot. It can be hard. 
Uh, some news. Nick Allegretti leaves Chiefs practice with a shoulder injury. Some Chiefs were also back today. Um, Legereus Sneed continues to sit as the team tries to manage his knee injury for the long term. Uh, Remigio was still out. Nick Jones continues to rest after fracturing fingers in that loss to the Saints. Kadarius Tony obviously still remains out since the start of camp uh, with that knee injury cleanup surgery. Uh, Justin Roth in both. Uh, sorry, Justin Roth. Ross. Wow, dude. Sometimes talking is hard. It's hard to live it for a living. Justin Ross and Amir Smith-Marset returned to practice in full capacity today. You may have saw Justin Ross making an incredible catch today. Yeah, dude is back. So of the three receivers that were banged up in yesterday's practice, Justin Ross, Amir Smith-Marset, and Nico Remigio, just Remigio is the guy who was out. I feel bad for him because this is the time to show what you have. Yeah, to really have an even stronger camp than he's already had. You ain't resting on your laurels now. Um, it's tough for him. He obviously was outside looking in to begin with. But I wonder if this could be a stash situation, right? I wonder if this could be a player stash maneuver. Uh, that remains to be seen. We'll find out the severity uh, of his injury going forward. Jody Fortson's time with KC, though, looks like it might be coming to an end. As Jody Fortson was now placed on the season-ending IR due to that dislocated shoulder. This now ends his uh, two times in the past three years. His season has ended on the IR season over. Sucks, man. I feel really bad for Jody Fortson. But at some point, you got to stop talking about potential. Dude's, what, 27 years old now? He, or I said before he was placed in the IR, I said watch out for Matt Bushman or even Kendall Blanton to take his spot. Everyone kept saying Blake Bell, Blake Bell, Blake Bell. I go, that's fine. I don't think Jody Fortson's spot is as, as secure as folks might think it is. Not that I don't think Jody Fortson's not talented. I think he is talented, but he can't stay healthy. And we keep talking about potential, and at some point you have to do it. Bushman is the same age as Jody Fortson, so it's not like you're getting a younger cat in this instance here. But Bushman can stay healthy. He's a good blocker. Kendall Blanton's a good blocker for him as you tire. Also on that uh, Rams Super Bowl run as well. I feel for Jody Fortson, but it feels like this is time to move on for both parties. I don't like seeing these bubble candidates get injured. I really don't. I, I It's harder for these guys who have not made a large chunk of change. It's harder for these guys who might not get picked up by another team. Yeah. Like, you don't want injuries to anyone, but, like, when Jalen Ramsey was injured or, or, or you know... Um, Marlon Humphrey is undergoing foot surgery for the uh, Ravens, the cornerback. Well, he's made a lot of money in his career. He, he, he's not getting cut. Like you, His job security will be there for him when he comes back. Right. I feel for him injury-wise, but at the same time, it most likely isn't as dire as it is for these bubble-cut guys. That's the emotion in the game. That's the... Um, you feel for these dudes, man. I mean, you really do. Uh, but taking at least a little look around the AFC West, don't know if you saw this. There was a article posted on ESPN said, will the Chargers ever stop charging? This might be the year. 
How many years? They're saying the same thing, just worded differently. Just worded differently. Will they ever stop being the Chargers? This might be their year. <laughs> now, I get it. They're at least acknowledging the Charger factor now. They're at least bringing into account the, hey, they are the Chargers. Like, they're the Chargers. They're going to do what they do best, which is Charger and big-time moments. Like last year in the playoffs against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But I just laugh because that very last sentence, this might be the year. And I actually joked with some people. I said the Chargers hype has been muted. You haven't heard much of the national media. I talked to some Chargers people, and that was fun. It was Jason Reed of the Bolt, uh, was the Bolt Beat, I believe. He has a huge Chargers site. I talked to him, and I was like, hey, man. Seems a little quiet on the Chargers hype train. He's like, it has been. Don't tell anyone. We like it. Like it's, You don't have the constant pressure to live up to, oh, bleep, we're now picked above the Chiefs? The national media thinks we're more talented? Like, I think the Chargers are actually better this year than they have been in the past five. One, another year of Justin Herbert, but Justin Herbert with a good O.C., it was not working last year. Check down Charlie, whether it's on him or the OC or the play calls or Stale, whatever it was, it was not working. They have one of the top five, top seven most talented quarterbacks in the NFL. Use him as such. I think we'll see that more from the Chargers this year. Um, Brandon Staley's on the hot seat, man. Yeah, it's put up or shut up for Staley. I think you're going to see the Chargers be a better team this year. I still will find it funny when folks keep saying... This is their year. Another article I found a little interesting in the AFC West was Marcus Peters says he feels at home with Vegas saying, I was always a Raider. He did grow up a Raiders fan. He is an Oakland native. Um, I don't think it was the uh, Las Vegas Raiders, though, at that time. But still, it got to be pretty cool experience for Marcus Peters going back to where you grew up playing for the team that you grew up loving. I know it's not Kansas City and gets to see the Chiefs twice this year. I'll tell you what, though. I can't wait for those matchups. Until tomorrow, this is the home stretch. We are out.